Welcome to the New Habits Podcast, where executives and MVPs from Microsoft Partners discuss the Microsoft Teams application and its use in enterprises. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special edition of the New Habits podcast. Um, This week's edition comes straight from the South Coast Summit in the UK. Uh, This is the only in-person Microsoft Office 365 event happening in 2021. Uh, So uh, Wes and myself uh, headed over, didn't we, Wes? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was really really nice to be at an in-person event. I'd forgotten how much fun it is to see real human beings in the same room and be able to talk about the session you're watching rather than staring at a, a Teams call or a Zoom call. Um, and it was a, a really well put together event. And Paul, I know clearly you couldn't uh, attend being over in Chicago. How how's the event scene looking over there? Yeah, I did see some some activity on on Twitter. Lots of people had the same sentiment, you know, glad to be together. So I'm looking forward to something happening here for sure. Well, hopefully next year uh, there will be many more events for for everybody to go to. It was great to um, get to see everybody, wasn't it? And uh, Wes, um, we we ran a session, didn't we? Yeah, we ran a session on um, Viva Connections and and uh, shared some of the, some of the case studies that uh, we've been working on uh, with with customers. Obviously, you know, Viva Connections has been a big focus focus of ours for the last three or four months um, since it was publicly released, um, and it was a really successful twenty minute session. And it was quite interesting to actually to you know, the approach by the organizers to have uh, what I call real high intensity, quick burst sessions, you know, 20, 25 minute sessions, quick turnaround on the rooms. Um, it really does focus one's mind as a, as, a, as, as a presenter on, you know, distilling your message down to be able to deliver it in such a, a short time frame. Um, interesting uh, kind of sessions when it came to the technical ones. Obviously, you know, 20 minutes isn't long to dive into a technical subject. And, you know, there's a fair few uh, sessions I attended that were really deep and technical that actually, you know, were still really enjoyable. And I, I learned quite a lot out of them. So, yeah, it was it was a different experience having having such short and quick burst uh, sessions to, to go between. I, I was also, uh, the thing I noted was that people's have really got very varying levels of knowledge and understanding about some of these new capabilities. Now, the the latest Viva Connections release, um, of course, is is really very new. It's it's what is it four weeks old now, um, and of course, we got it out and we've been configuring the dashboard and all sorts of things. But I did talk to a number of other partners who, uh, some of who were in our session, they said, "Wow, we really need to get on top of this, don't we?" Um, so uh, I think it's uh, hopefully with a few more community events, we can regain a bit of a, a equilibrium between um, between you know what people know and, and share that knowledge a little bit further. Um, so we uh, actually, as was and I were speaking um, at this event, um, we uh, asked Mark Stamper, who some of you in the community may uh, know, and if you don't, absolutely get to know him. Um, he's a, a consultant. He's uh, done masses with uh, PowerPoint and SharePoint, uh, and uh, more recently Teams. Um, and, and we actually sent him to uh, interview some of the speakers from the South Coast Summit event uh, and sponsors as well. So um, we will hand over to Mark, um, who can share uh, those conversations with us. Hello and welcome to the New Habits podcast. This show is something a little different as we are recording at the South Coast Summit, the only in-person Microsoft event being held in the UK this year. We're going to be talking to some of the guest speakers and other thought leaders to get their perspectives on the latest developments from Microsoft, particularly around Viva Connections and the future of work. Regular listeners may be wondering who I am, so allow me to introduce myself. I'm Mark Stamper, I'm a consultant, and I'm the guest host for this edition of the New Habits podcast. I have a long history with SharePoint, having worked with it since around 2005. Uh, In addition to SharePoint, I have a background in automation and business intelligence, which in recent years has naturally led me onto the Power Platform, particularly Power Automate and Power BI. If you're a new listener, then I hope you enjoy the show and will tune in again to listen to our three Microsoft MVPs discuss the future of Teams and the modern workplace. So, it's a real privilege for me to be joined today by Donna Sarkar, who is uh, Director of Technology for Microsoft Accessibility. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me, Donna. I know you've been very, very busy today. You've been here, there and everywhere, haven't you? 
It's been so fun. You know, I came over from Seattle exactly for this experience, which is I want the day to be jam-packed with meeting interesting people, learning cool things, and sharing all of the things I've learned over the course of the last 18 months when we've been in this hybrid co-op world. So, uh, Donna, congratulations on your new accessibility role. So you've been doing that for four months now? About 100 days plus. Yeah, about 100 days. So Mm -hmm. tell me and the listeners a little more about your role and how you'd like to see accessibility evolve over the next few years. Definitely. So my job pretty much is to work with each of the engineering teams at Microsoft to make sure that our products are usable by people with disabilities. So that means things like making sure, you know, Windows is accessible with Screen Reader, Teams is accessible with Caption, and signed interpreters, et cetera, et cetera. But it's actually also, and this is the forward-looking part that I'm very interested in, it's making sure that the products we build are not detrimental toward people who are neurodivergent, like me, or people who have mental health stuff going on, like all of you and me. So uh, the key piece of feedback we've learned are that people are intensely overwhelmed when they get a ton of things in their Outlook and calendar and all this stuff in Teams. It's just overwhelming for everyone. Something I've seen a lot of exactly. customers I've talked to exactly. and they say, I've so, got too many emails, I've got too many so Teams messages, I don't know where everything is. Too many events, mm-hmm. too many meetings. It's just overwhelming. So how can we, Microsoft, make tech that will lessen your anxiety and that overwhelmed feeling and kind of prevent burnout in people? Because that's really our job, is to help you be productive, but not so productive that you burn out. So that's what I'm very excited about. I think that's the future of accessibility. I did notice as well, um, it's, it's extended that into hardware as well with the new services. And, right. Yeah, yeah. And I watched your yeah. talk with, um, I can't remember the gentleman's name, uh, in the Netherlands who was using Visual Studio Code with the screen reader. That's right. And I found that absolutely fascinating. Um, I'd never quite considered that someone who is, is legally blind, and yeah. it was talking to him, and yeah. he couldn't completely understand, and he's, he's yes. coding a Visual Studio Code. It was, uh, absolutely. It was quite amazing. Florian, yeah. So he's a fantastic guy. He is a dev. He's a cybersecurity expert. He's blind, always has been. And he says Visual Studio Code is the most accessible IDE on the planet because it speaks perfectly to him to tell him exactly what to do. And he's able to navigate the whole thing with just his voice or with screen reader. And I will tell you, there's a fun surprise coming up at Ignite in two weeks where I will be working with my colleague, Kelly Ford, who is also legally blind, to build a power app using a screen reader. Wow, okay. So he's building a power app, screen reader. He's never seen this product with his eyes in his life. So he's now going to build a power app and show me how to use it using just a screen reader. In a way, you and I, power nerds, have never seen it before. Wow, okay. I'll, I'll look forward to that yeah, session. Yeah, it'll be really cool. So you were a advocate the lead for Power Platform for a few years and um, when I heard this this was music to my ears because as, as we spoke about before we discussed I'm, I'm a bit of a Power Platform nerd myself Power Automate and Power BI in particular um, give us some little low down information on what's coming what, what, can a, what can a Power Platform nerd like me be excited about in the next 12 months I think probably the most important thing is continuing to build up connectors to you know the data sources that we love the most. That's one big area for us, of course. The second one is kind of unification of the platform so it doesn't feel so separate. Yeah. Right? I'm sure a lot of people have noticed like the unification of model-based apps and Canvas apps come together and the central power apps builder. That was awesome because now you don't need to like make a big decision of like, is it a Canvas app? Is it a model app? Is it a tablet app? Is it It does not matter. One builder, build them all. Build once, run everywhere, right? That's the So those are the two main ones that I'm very excited about. And the third one, which is cool for people like me who are pro devs, quote, main encoders, a lot of integration between Power Platform and Visual Studio. So for Fusion teams, like you and I, if we work together, we'd be a Fusion team. Because you love automation, you love data. I love C++ code, and I love Power Apps. So we would work together as a Fusion team where I would build out maybe a set of APIs in Visual Studio, maybe in .NET, and then we would stash them in Azure APIM. And then you can use them in your visualizations or to call certain connectors. And I would use them within Power Apps. So that concept of a Fusion team is probably what we're going to be focusing on for the next like many, many years. So you see a lot of movement from people who are pro devs try citizen dev tools and people who are citizen devs try pro dev tools. And it's the end of the two, that no cliffs extensibility. So I'm super excited about that. 
and any any new products on the horizon and well, I would be unemployed if I told, but yeah. I will tell you though, with accessibility, I'm now responsible for 1,400 products at Microsoft. I know it went from one one product to 1,400, like, huh, there's a scale. And there's never been a better time to work with Microsoft, never been a better time. The stuff that's going on just with data and intelligence around data and how it perforates each and every segment is just fascinating to me. Like, uh, for example, we're using Azure Cognitive Services to do all kinds of really cool stuff in all of the rest of Microsoft products, so there's automatically a bunch of intelligence baked in. So you're going to see a lot more of that over and over. I have noticed, you mentioned it in the keynote this morning, the yeah. accessibility panel. That That's happened. right. And I, I noticed that recently, yeah. and I thought, what's this? And it popped up, and yeah. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Right. Um, that was really, really quite interesting, yeah. and it, it showed me things that I didn't, right. that I hadn't actually thought about, That's which, right. which is kind of the point, is for yes. people like me, is to say, if I'm writing a document or PowerPoint right. and it says, okay, your color contrast right. is not going to work for someone right. who's red, green, colorblind, That's or right. someone who has you know, impaired vision of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that really kind of made me think, and I thought, oh, wow, because that's one of the cool things I love about Office 365, is something will just appear and you go, what's this? Yeah. And you click on it and you go, oh, wow, I'd never even thought of that before. That's right. And they, they just trickle into the And it impacts millions of people. Yeah. Right? Like, I was saying this morning, one in 12 men are colorblind. Yes. That means in this expo of fourth, where we're seeing, like, what, hundreds of men, there's quite a large number of men who are colorblind who don't even know. Yeah. Right? They just think they're, they're like, quite shitted looking at Turks. That's not it. And the more we become aware, the more changes we can make just into systems so that it becomes easier for people, right? I'm a big believer in systems. I don't think we should try to force human behavior change as much. It's very hard to get humans to remember to do something, right? I mean, I can barely remember to like, you know, put a mask on before I leave the house for two years. But when you put systems in place, it becomes so much easier. So, you know, this thing pops up and says, validate before you sign off, you will validate versus remembering to go somewhere and where was that click on this, right? So I want to get much more into systems for accessibility because it helps everything. Um, in your keynote this morning, you talked, um, obviously a lot of the event today has been hybrid, hybrid right. working, hybrid, hybrid, hybrid working, obviously that is the, is the big buzzword yeah. at the moment. And you talked a little bit about how your team works. Could you just yeah. paraphrase that? Definitely. So my team is really, really interesting because I moved to my new job 100 days ago in the pandemic itself. I was one of the people who changed jobs in the pandemic. And I have never met my team in person, ever. But they're all Microsoft veterans. Everyone's been there five plus years, somewhere between five and 15 plus years. So they've been there you know, about as long as I have. They all know how to do their job very well. They used to all formerly be based out of Seattle, Washington. And given the pandemic, many of them have moved out of state to go live with their families or somewhere. So we've been talking a lot about what does it mean when we're back at work, right? Cool. As if we've been off work. Um, and I said, you know what? Let's just do the experiment and say we're just going to stay remote. And we will just be digital first for everyone. So if we have an in-person meeting, um, we will dial in from our offices. If we're having a meeting in a conference room, we will dial the teams in. And there's actually a setting in Outlook, in Outlook calendar, that says you can automatically add a Teams meeting to everything. So everyone should go in and check that because that way you don't even have to think about it. It's a system, right? Where you automatically are including people who are not there with you physically. So my team and I, we're going to be remote forever. We also are doing a series of experiments to figure out our work style. What is the most inclusive work style? One of the experiments that I'm very happy about that worked was I put in a policy that we're not going to have any teams, any meetings, any email after noon on Fridays. Just stop. Stop doing it. Completely. Be done. At first, my team really protested it. They said, no, it's a great time to get a bunch of last minute work done. That way we don't have to worry about the weekend. I'm like, no, 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 stop. Just for me, try for one more. And they protested pretty hard. They were like, our partners won't accept it, this and that. So I put a block on everyone's calendar, noon to five, for one month. And I said, during this time, I want you to do something else. I, want, I don't want you to sit there sending mail to the team. I want you to go take a walk, go to the park, spend time with your kids, you know, play a video game. I do not care what you do, but do not do it. After a month, they were all like, 
I asked, the month is ending, the block is ending, should I renew it? 100% of them said, oh, heck yeah. yeah so now they want the whole day. <laughs> so we're now thinking about, too much talking. Um, we're now talking about how to do that for Monday morning. We're like, because you know that anxiety you get on Sunday, I need to look at my calendar. You need to, you need to look at your week and plan out your yes. week, and you don't want right. to do it on Sunday, and you shouldn't be doing that Why on Sunday. Why are you doing it on Sunday yes. to get away from your family? Yes. No, don't do it. So I'm trying to block Monday mornings, 8 to noon, or at least 8 to 10, and say, this is the time that I'm not going to do meetings. Instead, I'm going to plan my work plan the schedule for the week, figure out what it's going to look like, maybe get a jump on email, like, you know, whatever. That way you're not working all the freaking time, yeah. starting Monday morning, 8 a.m., giving your time to other people. Straight into meetings. Yeah. Exactly. That's, so that's, that's something I've seen a uh, company I worked for around 10 years ago, and yeah. they, they tried that because they, yeah. they, they realized there was, was too many emails, and there were too many meetings, and uh, they tried the they tried no email Friday, and that failed quite quickly. Oh, it fails awful. It, it, it failed quickly. Yeah. But they did try uh, no meeting Fridays, yes. which kind of mixed results. Yeah. So, yeah, that idea's been around, around for a little while, but yeah. um, it's great to see it actually working. It's working, and I think the key is to be for the manager to be hold a really hard line. The person who fails first is the manager, yes. and then everything falls apart. So because I hold a really hard line, and honestly, sometimes I do want to send that mail Friday afternoon, but I keep my laptop closed. I use the delayed send feature all the time. And I really like that you can just say, I get the reminder, right? Do you want to send this in a different hour? I'm like, yes. Then I schedule everything from Monday at noon, not eight, which is like, why Monday at eight? No. And that's been working really well. The other thing I do is I'm super clear when I'm taking a mental health care. Right? I say, hey, it's Wednesday. I am super tired. When I get back, actually, from the UK, I'm going to take a Friday and say, hey, I'm taking mental health day. Do not talk to me. I'll see you Monday. Yeah, I've done that trip yeah. to Seattle. It's, yes. um, and the jet lag is a killer. The jet lag is real yeah. going that oh, way. Yeah. So I'm just going to take the day and say, you know what? Nope, I'm taking the day off. It is for mental health. I will see you all later. And because I do that, my team is now doing it. At first, they wouldn't do it. But really, it showed the benefit of role modeling behavior because especially if you're remote they don't know you right they can't see you they don't understand your expression what's okay what's not okay so they have no idea of knowing if you're just saying this or do you mean it so as us as leaders like us it's our job to role model the behavior we want to see on our team yeah and that's, that's a lot of what people have talked about today is yeah. um, you know being a good digital leader and, and enforcing that culture in the people that's and, right you know there's I'd say hybrid Viva and culture has been the big three elements so I'm joined now by uh, Luke Evans, who is speaking about the future of modern work. Thank you for joining me, Luke. No, no, no worries. Thanks for having us. It's appreciated. Yeah, it's good. It's um, rather warm up on the balcony. So, uh, I, you know what? This is the second time I've been here today, and I'm feeling the heat. Is what I would say. So, yeah. Yeah, I was just outside, lovely breeze, and now I'm back here. Yeah. So, um, do you think employers will embrace the well-being aspect of Beaver in the long term, or will it be a passing fad? Okay, well, I think it's a very interesting question, and I have a few thoughts, but let me let me tackle it. So, I'd say, you know, let's start with the well-being aspect of Beaver is, is probably the one. So, I was speaking with a colleague earlier today, and they came up with a really interesting uh fact I, I hadn't heard previously certainly about well-being so they said that basically the risk of burnout has been flagged as a risk by the world health organization globally mm. so i think one of the key things that viva and certainly the, the well-being aspect can help to better manage is that risk of burnout so i think the key thing for me in terms of adoption embrace i think certainly on the well-being i think they will take it up is the thing and i think it's at the personal level as well as the organizational level so I think on a personal level, you know, we've seen great take up or great, I would say, adoption and, and, and take up of Viva across organizations so far. So I, I think it's only going to get stronger and stronger. And well-being is probably just a component of Viva. Yeah. So we've got a new one about, I think it's uh, it's the Ali.io adoption, yeah. or the, the acquisition, I should say. And that is probably only just going to further kind of the toolkit uh, of Viva. And I think well-being is just an aspect. But what I was trying to get at is we have the personal, so people are going to use it on a personal level, and they're also going to use it at the organizational level. So 
not just well-being. They want to see if their employees are, you know, risk or suffering the risk of burnout. They also want to look at collaboration across the organization and use Viva, you know, in, in that way. So I, I think I would say no, it's not a passing fan. And, and from what I've seen from a technology perspective, working in kind of a, a lot of these community-driven events, the uptake of Viva that I've seen from them is has been astronomical. There, there's been so many sessions, yeah, so many different kind of ways of learning about what Viva can do. I think I've also seen certifications uh, for Viva. I've actually got one, but I can see more and more of them coming out. So it's becoming more and more, I guess, fully fledged from a technical standpoint yeah. in terms of the wider user base and the community supporting it. Cool, thank you. And uh, do you think hybrid, it really will be the new normal? Okay, or well, will we be back in the office again soon? Okay, well, this is an interesting question. And, and I think I think hybrid, well, for me, I think hybrid's here to stay. So prior to the pandemic, I was working, you know, three, four days a week from home is what I would say. I think it was pretty natural for me, but for others, I, I can feel the, the, the suffering that they've had. But yes. I think a lot of organizations have realized, well, I hope they've realized that, you know, people, this is kind of forced, the, the, it's a, I guess, a paradigm shift, a paradigm shift we can see that the people that was used to be in an office, they can do their jobs remotely. There's no real need. Now, I think the, the flip side of it is, you know, people going back into the office, I think they've experienced a way of working. And the, the bigger challenge now is probably they go to meetings on premise. They want the same sort of experience that they had online on, on prep, oh, yeah, in, in the office is what I'm trying to say. And I think that is also another interesting challenge. But for me, I think the tools and the technologies that we've received in the pandemic, and certainly from my side in terms of technical, I work in the 365 space. I work across security identity collaboration. I think the adoption of Teams has been astronomical. Yeah. yeah? So I think it was, I do a session on Teams usability for security. We have some great stats, but I think the most recent is we've got 250 or a quarter of a billion active users on Teams every single day. Yeah. So I, to me, it's the way, it's, it, hybrid's here to stay is the way I see it. I think it would, I know people are going back to the office, but they're still using the tools and technologies that they adopted in the pandemic. So I think hybrid, yeah, in summary, hybrid's here to stay. That's the way I see it. I agree. I'm, yeah? I'm, I'm kind of, I'm usually in the office three days a week and, uh, you know, the, the sort of beginning and end of the week, but sometimes it's two, you know, and it's, it's, it's oh, look, I've got a really early start this morning. Um, I'm going to work from home. And, okay. you know, my company would have said, yeah, okay, that's fine. And I, I think, you know what? It, whatever. I, <laughs> I think the other thing we've seen is a lot of different ways of enabling hybrid working is the thing. So we've seen a lot of stuff, certainly in, in the customers that we work with, we've seen, you know, the creation of room booking apps to be, or desk booking apps. So we can basically effectively schedule who's going to be in the office, who has a, an area, and basically is working with, in the constraints of hybrid, I guess is the thing. I think it's great to have flexible working. I think it's fantastic. I think it, it in general, it's a, it's a much happier experience for employees. So, I, you know, for me, it, it's got to be here to stay. Great. Wonderful. Thanks for your time, Luke. Well, fantastic. And thanks very much for having me. It's appreciated. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. Cheers, Thank you. now. I'm joined now by Richard Potter from Microsoft UK. Thank you for joining me, Richard. You're very welcome. Uh, so, Richard, you've taken on a fairly new role at Microsoft. So you're Director of Digital Strategy for Microsoft Worldwide. What have you been most excited to work on over the last six months? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I mean, what are six months? Yeah. Um, I think everybody's been excited to work, whether you've had a role change or not. Um, my shift has been that I've moved actually away from focusing on the UK to looking more worldwide. Um, and in that journey, like many, I've been involved in helping companies try and navigate all of this huge uncertainty uh, and try somehow to discern some form of digital strategy that they can be confident about in the future. Yeah, when you, when, as you said in your, in your uh, keynote this morning, the world is closed. It is closed. Um, how, do, how do we continue to, to operate and innovate and, yeah. and keep going using the technology when the world has basically gone nuts? It, it, it has gone nuts. And, and the world is closed. The physical world is closed sometimes and then open other times and we don't know when it's going to be open and closed. Um, all of these uncertainties um, practically make it very, very difficult for people to set strategy, invest, uh, make big decisions about the future. And my job within Microsoft is to 
help them have a have a degree of confidence about that that investment process and the outcomes that they can get from it. Yeah, and you've had a busy you've had a very busy six months, well, as we all have, yeah, as we all absolutely. have. Um, but it's been terrific, and you know, it's it is it is a privilege to be part of the IT industry at this time because we those of us that are involved in it know that we're playing an instrumental role in whatever that future looks like. Yeah, I um, mean, I, I, for myself personally, so I'm an office so I've consulted. So um, I've taken a lot of pleasure in the last 18 months uh, seeing how businesses have been able to innovate quickly and helping them say, we need help, how can we do yeah. this? And being able to deliver change for them rapidly on the platform, I found, I found enormously De- satisfying. And, that, and that's great, that's great to hear. And, you know, it is that, those, those bits of mythology that used to exist, those bits of uh, reservation that used to exist about, we're not quite sure whether we should take the leap to the cloud now. And those, those things have had to be dispensed with. That and they've had to make the jump. Yeah. And now that they've made that little step forwards, um, they're seeing the great advantages of increased digitization, um, increased digitization that enables them to be flexible in a world of uncertainty, yeah. to navigate the real wobbly ambiguity of hybrid working. Um, none of their ability to be able to navigate that would, would be possible without connectivity, the cloud, and, the, and you know that, that global reach that, that this kind of technology can deliver for them. Yeah. So uh, Microsoft are always innovating and reacting quickly to the challenges that we face. What should the listeners be most excited about for the next six months? Well, I, I mean, I think the, the journey of hybrid working is, is clearly the big thing. And we, we're talking a lot about it at this event here today. So whatever that looks like for whatever it is, and it won't be a one-size-fits-all hybridization piece. So it's good, the, exciting, the excitement is going to be as, as companies are finding the hybrid working that works for them. Um, from my perspective, I am much more interested in, in that longer-term innovation that is coming out of this. And I, I talked this morning in the, key, in the keynote about these three elements that, that sit inside the way that we approach it, which is learning, so understanding and making sense yeah. of the world around you through all of that great telemetry that digitization gives you. Um, experimenting, so once you've learned and understood what's happening, how can you test hypotheses without derailing that important day business that you're doing? Um, and then once you've had those successful experiments, how do you scale them and make them impact your bottom line? That that learn, experiment, scale journey is, is for me what it's all about at the moment. Awesome, thank you. And uh, what sessions are you uh, keen to attend this afternoon? All of them. All of them. All I, of know, them. I know there's all so them. many, and no, you're going to run from one but, side of the venue to the other. Isn't, and, isn't and this is what, what's so great about this yeah. event? Because yeah. it's the diversity and the richness, and some of it's big and some of it's very niche. Um, some of it is incredibly creative. Some of it's incredibly productive. It, you know, that's that's what these kind of events do. So really exciting. Yeah, it would have been great if they'd been recorded, so we could we could attend everything. Yeah, but maybe next year. That's one for the organisers. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. And 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 Nathan and Aaron have done such a good yeah. job setting yeah, this up. Absolutely. And, uh, whatever happens going forward, we'll be there to support them. Excellent. Thanks for your time, Richard. Brilliant. It was good to talk to you. Great stuff. Thank you. Great. Joined now by Charlie Phipps, who this morning delivered a talk entitled Hybrid Working is Here to Stay. Is your business ready for the new normal? Thanks for joining me, Charlie. Thank you for having me. Uh, so what can IT teams be doing to ease the transition to a future of hybrid working? Well, firstly, what we need to do is learn what the organisation needs. So we need to listen to the people, we need to sort of streamline the processes, and we need to think about what the managers want before we start looking at what technologies we can implement. So today we identified eight common issues with hybrid working, and we looked at some technologies how we can overcome that. What we would need to do is actually tailor that for each organisation. Maybe put out some surveys, have some interviews with some of the employees and say, what are you really struggling with? Because we need to listen to the employees. The employees are at heart of it, right? Yeah. Um, so once we identify what issues they have, we can then identify the technologies that are there already in play that people just don't utilise. Yeah. Okay. And um, what have Microsoft done to make hybrid working easier? And what new Microsoft tools or updates are coming that's going to improve that situation, make hybrid working a lot easier? Yeah, so... 
biggest thing is probably Microsoft Teams. Um, it's now becoming a central hub uh, for everyone. Latest is Viva. So Viva Insights is absolutely fantastic. It's, from it's, the, it's the big topic today, isn't it? Yeah. There's so many talks on Vivas and there's such a buzzword. It, 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 yeah. it is a buzzword. But then on the flip side, I think there's some new features that aren't well spoken about yet that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Front row. That's going to actually change how Microsoft Teams layout looks like. Yeah. So when you're on a, a video call, it will actually uh, make those that are in uh, working from home look like they're in the office yeah. through the horizontal pane. Yeah. And the other thing is, say I'm doing a presentation from home, I would be sharing my screen and just talking to you. Yes. There's a feature called Cameo. Yep. So Cameo is actually going to integrate your team's camera feed into your presentation. So as you present, you can see my face and see my actions yeah, in real time. Yeah, I've seen that in It's the kind of thing you see a lot on YouTube uh, yeah. with, 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 with people uh, or streaming on Twitch when they're gaming. So they're, you know, it's quite interesting that Microsoft have brought that in. And I, I think that really, um, that makes the whole presentation a lot more engaging. It is like you're, what, you're almost there in person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it just, it breaks one of the hybrid gaps because at the moment, Microsoft's haven't got a technology which enable you to do a clear presentation working from home with that interaction. Yeah. And that interaction is the key point mm-hmm. because it, that's how you engage with your audience. Yeah. And uh, what are you looking forward to today? So I'm looking forward to hearing some of the talks. I've been to some of the talks around AIs versus humans. Um, I've looked at some of the cloud talks. I particularly enjoyed the Viva workshop, as you said. Viva's this big buzzword. Yeah. Um, so I went and educated myself a little bit more. Um, and yeah, I just think it's exciting seeing the other partners here as well. Like there's a lot we do at Akari, um, but seeing what other things are out here um, and seeing what other Microsoft technologies and the way people are taking their spin on it is quite interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to getting into some uh, Power Platform talks a little later, but just yeah. running, running from one end of the venue to the other makes it quite difficult. Yeah, exactly. To, yeah. I love Power Platform. I'm a Power Platform developer, so yes. that's what I do. I, I build solutions, trying to innovate, you know, customize solutions. You know, today I spoke about hybrid working and how I get over some of the issues we have but Power Platform when you know it it's so powerful and it, it takes a little bit of art and innovation to get over it so yeah but I love it yeah. I think you do too yeah, yeah. alright thanks for your time Charlie thank you very much. to talk to you thank you for that We are joined now by Kevin McDonald, who spoke this morning about Microsoft Viva, what it is, and why you really should care about it. So, Kevin, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure. You've organised the South Coast Summit, the largest Microsoft conference in the UK this year. How excited are you to see it happen? Well, I, I should clarify uh, that the two main organisations, Aaron and Nathan, who've been done the majority of the work, and ooh, that was a nice bit of feedback from someone, um, they've done the majority of the work, so I don't want to take their glory. Um, I've been organising the podcast track, the data and AI, and getting involved in chatting with Aaron. But to see it here is fantastic. With the pandemic, all the things that have been going on, to have everyone here, faces that I've met digitally, such as yourself on there, and meeting them in real life has been really good. And you're never quite sure, because I've seen so many speakers tweeting about it and getting excited, knowing that, uh, I was about to say, real people or normal people are going to turn up as well. Uh, and just seeing the sort of faces around, looking interested, we're here above the Expo floor, people are chatting on there. It's, it's been fantastic. It's really, really nice. Even with a slight hangover today, I'm enjoying it. So and that, that says a lot. Yeah, I think it is. It's kind of like the good old days. And I think, like you, I was kind of a little nervous who you know, really yeah. could actually show up. Yeah. I, I was speaking to Aaron on Wednesday. I can guarantee he was very nervous. I'm sure he had some sleep this night. So. Yeah. Okay, so Kevin, what, what has been your uh, biggest takeaway so far today? Slight tricky one because uh, I saw the keynote and t- took some takeaways, but otherwise I've been talking, recording podcasts, and chatting to people. So uh, I'd say one is the community is amazing. So the people who work around this, who do it as a day job, but spend their evenings, their weekends getting involved, it's kind of reinvigorating me to want to sort of say that. So that, that's probably one big takeaway. But I'd say from the keynotes, Donna Sarkis' session about 
accessibility, really thinking about yeah. everyone first. Um, and what was it, the quote, I, I've got the gentleman's name who works on these surface uh, devices, saying that you're all going to be di- disabled at some point, I've just got a head start. It's absolutely true. It's not just about having those uh, disabilities from birth. Everyone's going to have issues, whether it's a broken leg, a bit of arthritis when you're older, bad eyesight, we're all getting hit by it. And we should think about that because it affects almost everyone. Particularly when you're getting on like we are. Absolutely. Yes, I really enjoyed I really, really enjoyed And some really interesting takeaways. Absolutely. I I missed her. She had a great slide on, um, because she's dyslexic, of how she sees things. And she doesn't have notes for her talks because she can't. And she sort of showed how that seems to her. Now, you know, it's it's easy easy to forget when you have your bubble of people you work with and if they don't have acknowledged disabilities you know about, it is easy to forget about these things. Having those reminders, I think that's my big takeaway, really. And uh, so, on to Viva. There's been such a big buzz around Viva. So, in your opinion, is it really the saviour that we've been looking for? Um, short answer, yes, I think it is. I think it, because, and I, I talked about this in my presentation, it is a brand. It is wrapping up a lot of services that are there or coming in, into one thing. But to me, why it's important is it's putting employees first. It is that employee experience that's important. And in my talk, I talked about how companies who consider employee experience are more profitable. They get better quality, they get more innovation. And Viva is there supporting that. And that, to me, is why it's so important. Because people are picking that up, we're finding with clients, it is resonating. People, they're coming to us because of Vivo and it's kind of making an impact there. Not coming because of the technology, but because of what's being talked about. And that, that I think is fantastic. And the more that continues, the better. Yeah, I'm quite excited for that. I think the mobile in particular is like, like you said in your talk, for those people who are on the road a lot and maybe they're not logged into a laptop all day, yeah. that mobile experience is going to be a game changer for those. Who've been ignored. Those yeah. frontline workers, it's kind of, well, we'll give them tools at some point and hopefully we don't need to pay for a license for them. Now, you can get those cheap licenses. Uh, well, there's lower cost <laughs> licenses, I should say, on there. Uh, and you can give them that first party experience. You can use that mobile and that, that's that's why I see it's that opening up to everyone and thinking about everyone that comes in yeah, that's why I really like yeah I think that's really is going to be a game changer that's awesome thanks for your time Kevin thanks very much and good luck for the rest of it thank you cheers I'm John Nye by Sarah Fenner, who has just qualified as a Microsoft MVP. So congratulations, Sarah. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. You're going to be rushing off soon to present a feed on knowledge harvested with Viva topics, even if you are a minnow. Yes. And after that, you're part of the Women in Teams discussion. Indeed, yes. So you've been very busy today. <laughs> Running around like an idiot from one end of the conference to the other. Yeah, yeah. haven't we all carrying big heavy backpacks? Indeed. So uh, you've been presenting with Kevin today. What challenges do you think that Viva has come to solve? So Kevin and I are talking about Viva Topics, which is all about finding the knowledge that sits in your organisation and, and harvesting that and making the most of it rather than um, it getting lost. So for me, it's those documents that we have to keep rewriting and revisiting and, and making sure that that information doesn't just get put in the SharePoint site and ignored. Mm. And you think Viva's going to help with that? It's helping me. It is? Indeed, Good. yes. Um, on to your uh, Women in Teams panel. What topics are you hoping are going to come up in that? Do you, do you have any sort of an, 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 anything anticipated or anything you really want someone to ask? what I want people to ask but I guess the message we want to get across is that IT is inclusive um, and that it doesn't matter what gender you are um, what part of the world you come from everyone has an opportunity to be involved and I'm really hoping that my own journey from training Microsoft Office into training IT pros and now being an MVP um, will help encourage other people and especially women to to take a step into working in IT and really be confident that there is a place for them in the community as well. 
what else are you looking forward to seeing today and doing today when you're not speaking when I'm not speaking it, I'm really looking forward to the quiz that's always a really good good laugh um, and apart from that it's meeting people and talking to people I work as an independent so um, you rarely get the time with colleagues in that scenario so a conference like this just gives you the opportunity to meet people um, that, that up until now have just been avatars on social media uh, and make connections and, and support each other um, which it, in the end is, is why most of us are involved in the community to help others progress on their own journey as well so that, that's it for me really that's the aim of being here today excellent great well, thanks for your time Sarah thank you very much speak to you soon So I'm joined now by Nikki Chappell, who this morning presented a talk on implementing Microsoft Teams lifecycle governance to stop Teams sprawl. Thank you for joining me, Nikki. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, Teams sprawl, I think we've seen that. It's like the bad old days of SharePoint with the, the Wild West and sites yeah, definitely end up all the Wild over West. The place. Um, so Teams has experienced enormous growth over the last 18 months. How are IT teams reacting to its popularity and what challenges are they facing? Okay. Yeah, you're right, the, the um, growth, you know, we were looking at kind of 75 million monthly active users in yeah. April 2020. We're now up to 250 million monthly active users. So some of the really big concerns we had is during the pandemic, people quickly and rapidly deployed teams. They didn't have that time to go through a fully thought out project. It was switch on, deploy and use. So in those scenarios, what's happened is it's been deployed without any user education or adoption. There's been no governance. No, the, the rule book, as we call it, hasn't been created. Um, and that's just been allowed to kind of grow over the last 18 months. Now things are beginning to settle down. I'm getting a lot of clients that will come to us and say, what can we do? How can we do it? What, how can we manage teams better? You know, we've got people working from home. You know, how do we manage those end user devices? You know, the home office becomes the new office. And then also, with the way of hybrid working, you've got people at home and people in the office. So there's so many different things that people need to look up around teams and that whole infrastructure and the best way of doing it is putting that phased planning approach don't try and eat it all it's like how do you eat an elephant it's that one bite at a time and that's what we try and work with them look at that kind of critical path what must you do now and work with them on a phased plan um, so for IT teams experiencing poor governance team sport is it too late for them or can it be rectified what's your approach on that okay yeah it's never too uh, late to start on the, on that governance route so really um what i suggest is kind of looking at a kind of an agile based roadmap looking at that crawl walk run approach what are their major risks what do they want to achieve first and i think a lot of the questions are around just because you've got a lot of teams doesn't mean you've got team sprawl all of those teams could be really active and really productive um, and people are changing their way of working but in reality what we found is most people haven't had that real education they're not accountable or know what they need to do so there does tend to be a lot of sprawl so what I talked about this morning is you've got to look at number one what your rules where do you want to go so kind of set your vision then the next step is really let's look at where we are now so the number one thing to look at is how many teams do you have that don't have an owner yeah. if you don't have an owner to me that's a pretty good sign that it's not used if it's a private team with no owner then members can't be added or removed for them too run some reports and have a look to see how uh, active those teams are you know if nothing's been happening if there's been no chats no files moved around or added in the last say six months again that's another indicator so start getting those lists trying to contact people and tidy up and start slowly reducing that down once you kind of got rid of that kind of core set of teams and a lot of them are 
teams called things like test somebody goes yes. to training they rush back oh teams is great i'm going to create this team called test write a message in it and because you've not put anybody in the team you're not going to get a response so you get a lot of that kind of let's test it try it out and then people don't actually go and delete them so it's kind of getting rid of that big chunk and, and for some clients, you know, that, that can be quite significant. That could be thousands of teams. Then the next thing to put in place is try and put in some sort of regular reviews. So with uh, Microsoft, you've got this Azure AD uh, expiration policy that you can apply. I recommend doing a review every six months. So working with one client uh, we spoke to, they had uh, 27,000 teams. They were creating 400, 600 teams per month. By putting in an expiration policy of six months, they managed to halve that number of teams. That's quite, That's quite significant. Yeah. But you can't just do that technology on its own. People need to know, particularly those group owners, the team owners, that they're accountable for maintaining the accuracy of that team. So it had to be backed up with a full kind of uh, communication plan. So when those team owners got an email to say, your team's inactive, do you want to keep it or do you want to delete it? They actioned that. So there needed to be kind of, in addition to the standard process, additional things as well. Um, I think people sometimes need a little bit of a poke, don't they? Because if you say to someone, I'll go and review your teams and delete them if you don't need them, people go, yeah, 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 I'll do that. But if they get something and then they're poked and says, look, this is going to be deleted, you need to do something, then you can kind of prompt them and, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think the other thing to know is what is that team's purpose? For me, teams should be for um, collaboration. So you're creating these transactory files, temporary, short-term files. You know, any artifacts that you create should be stored somewhere else because another big blocker is people say, I've got information in my teams and I need to keep that information just in case. Well, that might just be a few files. Why keep that whole team? The purpose for the team, the collaboration space is no longer viable. Don't, you don't need it anymore if your project's you, you, finished. You've produced your output. Yeah, your output put those outputs somewhere else. Again, it's a, it's, a, it's a different mindset. I think people are just being used in teams for everything and then think, well, I'll just keep everything there. It's just too confusing for the end user. They look at their team's menu bar and you, you're kind of scrolling through team. There are things people can do if you've got too many teams. You can um, hide your teams. You can right-click on it and hide it. So... You kind of, it's just hidden from your menu thing. But um, yeah, it really is this process where you need to work with the business and kind of with, with IT as well to define this rule book and then as a collaborative approach across business and IT, roll it out slowly, then monitor, see how it's going, rectify stuff and slowly build over time. So you might say, well, actually, I'll review to start off with every 12 months. And then you say, actually, my end goal is to get it every three months. Mm. But you kind of want to introduce those changes gradually over time. That's great. Thank, Thank you, you for your much. time, Nikki. It it's been a, lovely. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. I'm joined now by Danielle King and Gemma Young, who work at Reed. So, Danielle, you're an engagement manager, and Gemma, you're a cloud product owner. So, to, later on today, you're going to be presenting Yammer and Teams, using them in conjunction for great communication. So, Gemma, um, you each have very different roles, but it seems that you've found harmony in working within Office 365. Talk us through the success story at Reed of using Yammer and Teams together from an IT perspective. The main success stories that we've seen is the ease at which we're now able to kind of communicate change and new releases, especially from our CRM functionality. Um, it's much easier for us from IT perspective to be able to share that with the share that with the business now. Um, also, it's really helped us to give the business more autonomy over their own data um, and the ability to more easily share knowledge amongst themselves, which has meant that has led to kind of less pressure on our IT service desk, for example kind of gives us the ability to spend more time elsewhere, adding value in kind of the new technologies that we now have, um, and also a really positive change for the business that they now also have more control over their own data and more autonomy in that area. It's also meant we've been able to um, integrate some other um, functionality into Teams, for example LMS, and also integrate it with our own CRM systems, which again really added value to the business, um, saving them time, which obviously is kind of a win from, from an IT perspective as well. Brilliant, thank you. 
Danielle, how has this affected employee engagement and how important was the employee experience when deciding to use Teams and Yammer as part of your communication strategy? Yeah, it was, it was really important. So you've got to have buy-in from the business in something like this because as when we're going through any change, it's very important that people really understand what's in it for them. They're not yep. going to change, they're not going to adapt if they don't understand the benefits. So we talk a lot to our business and obviously being in recruitment, they are talkers back, so yes. we get a lot of feedback, sure, which is sure always good. <laughs> um, but also because we're in the business of talking, people are a little bit more used to communicating in different ways. So before we transitioned, it was a very email-heavy business. We had a static internet. Not uncommon. I can imagine, yeah. So this has really been able to empower them and use different tools such as chat in Teams, which they'd never had before. So it was a new way of working. And networking and communicating in Yammer has been really powerful. We have uh, businesses and, and offices all over the world, so actually being able to network with those those companies has been powerful for them as well. But yeah, engagement is absolutely imperative, not only at the lower level, but our SLT. So one of our biggest success stories is our new global MD is now doing a weekly blog and posting it on Yammer and, and really trying to reduce that gap between the board and our general yeah, we've, I've seen quite a lot of um, uptake in, in video in the last yeah. year or so. Um, and I think the pandemic is partially to blame for that. So because we now spend so much time in front of a camera, we were forced into it. Yes. You know, 10 years ago, when people were given, I worked at a company where we were given um, OCS, which was a kind of grandfather or even great grandfather of teams. And lots of people were issued with web webcams and everyone was like very British about it. And they're like, no, no. And they'd be terrified of it. But now we're so used to it. Yeah. And people are so used to consuming things by YouTube yeah. that they're quite comfortable to say, oh, I'm not going to write it. I'm just going to stand in front of a camera and I'm going to talk. So we, we are seeing businesses do that. And it's, it's, a, it's a really good way to engage with people. We did have that um, exact same situation, actually. We rolled out webcams about four or five years ago. And I think they all ended up in everyone's drawers. So it's, we've moved a long way. And our consultants are face-to-face -face talking to and on video conference calls with their clients and candidates now, which is much more face time than they would have had in the old world where they might have only met them once or twice and yeah. everything else would have been on phone. So it's nice. So it's much more So uh, question to both of you. What's next? Um, are there any other tools and programs you're excited for um, that you're hoping to implement? to put all of those components together. Exactly, and refresh what we have already. Excellent. Well, thank you both for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. The New Habits Podcast is produced by Add-in365. Thank you to Victor Villain for participating. Please leave a review in iTunes along with a five-star rating. We appreciate your support. Thank you for listening.